I was with my daughter earlier this week, and, and she said, um, sometimes she wakes up really, really sweet. Anyone have kids when they, we don't know what side of the pillow they woke up on, but like you want them to sleep on that side every day and to wake up from that side. Anyone know when I'm talking about kids or grandkids? Some days they just wake up extra sweet. Okay, you're tracking with me. So she runs up to me and so sweet. I mean, just, I'll do, what do you want, Daddy? I'll do anything. Like, like that kind of morning. I was like, man, I got to cash in here. Go clean your room. Uh, make your bed. Any, anything, Daddy. I love you. I love you. And, and, uh, and I, I was joking with her, but, but not really. I, I said, sweetie, uh, and I was, I was quoting the, the story of a weird story, Herod and Herodias, when Herodias' daughter was dancing and pleased, and Herod says, I'll give you half my kingdom because he was so pleased. So I, that was the story, but anyway, a weird story, but I was like, sweetie, I'll give you my whole, I'll give you half my, I'll give you my whole kingdom, because I was so proud of her. She goes, oh, no, daddy, no, daddy. I just want to be a swir- sweet girl for my daddy. I'm like, okay, I'll give you the whole kingdom. <laughs> I was so, I was so... I was so struck at that moment, like our kids do to us and our grandkids. I just offered her everything, and she responded, Daddy, I just, I want to please you. I want to I be, be a good daughter for my daddy. Like, there is this thing, like, deep inside of all of us to want to please someone something to achieve, to climb a ladder, to make amends for our past. There's something intrinsic in every single human that longs for significance, that longs for purpose, that longs to just please. Is anyone identifying with me this morning? And where it's this huge kaleidoscope and oftentimes mess is when we try to please the the wrong things and the wrong people instead of God. And a couple weeks ago, we we started part one of the prodigal son story, really the prodigal son's story. And the back half is too good. I had to finish it today. So dad came. We took a break. So you can go listen to part one on our podcast or our website. But I want to zero in on the older brother syndrome that many of us can become influenced by. And so today I want us to look at that. Is that okay? And um, remember that little story of my daughter. Daddy, I just want to, just want to be a good daughter. So... I'm going to read the story. It's in Luke 15. If you have a Bible or an app, or you can go in the front of our pews. And uh, this is the New Living Translation. just want to work our way through the story. I won't make hardly any comments on the first half because you can go listen to a 40-minute message. But the word of the Lord says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. Them are the religious leaders, the Pharisees, those guys who thought and who took pleasing God so serious that on top of the 613 laws of Moses, 
They added two and three and four laws around all of those laws so that they wouldn't break the actual law. So they had hundreds, hundreds, thousands of safeguards because they so wanted to please God. That's who Jesus is telling this story to, Pharisees. Anyone ever been one or met one? But their hearts are good. They want to please God. They, they want to. They thought that God would be pleased by not just not breaking the law, but not breaking the not breaking the laws that they made up so they wouldn't break the law. And then they expected everyone else to live by that standard. So that's who Jesus is telling this story to. Remember that. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed and divided his wealth among the two of them. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the entire land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry. Someone say, so hungry. My belly literally is like super hungry right now, so I can, so hungry. that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Whoa. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Has anyone been there? When you just came to the end of yourself. When you had to eat the fruit of your own decisions. Has anyone been there? When your desire to lead and to rule your own life took you to a place you never wanted to go and it kept you there longer than you wanted to stay. I'm describing sin. It takes you further and keeps you longer, and it never delivers on what it promises. After the few minutes or seconds of what it promises, you're left with the same gnawing hunger and awareness that you in and of yourself are not complete. He was dying of hunger. Amen. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, someone say a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Would you do that with your neighbor right quick? I'm kidding. You know, I just, <laughs> some of y'all actually did. Enough is enough. All right. That's a pretty good father. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. <sighs> but, someone say but. His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We've been fattening, so come on, somebody. I don't know what vegans do with this verse, but... Plant-based, schmant-based. My God kills fattened calves when his prodigals come home. Come on, somebody. I got to preach today. We must celebrate. 
Come on. We must celebrate. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, and he's now returned to life. Oh, I love that translation. That is so good, because he returned home to his father. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I want to preach just that story, but I already did two weeks ago, so I'm not going to make any comments, because I, I got a sermon to preach for the next part. Suffice it to say, no matter what pen you find yourself in, or the sloppy mess that you've made in your sin, there's a father who's, who wants to run to you, and he wants you home. Can we just say that today? As by way of summary, that there's a father who loves you. Jesus is telling a story to the religious who, you know, anyway, we already talked about it. I don't want to spend time in it, so I'm going to fast forward. But let's just say part one, there's a place in the father's house for you no matter what you've done or where you're at currently that he loves you in and through his son Jesus, that when you come to his senses and you respond to that conviction, that desire to be delivered from your situation and you don't turn in on yourself and try to get yourself out of the mess, but you run to a father who is the one who wants to kiss you, embrace you, give you rings and robes and sandals, and through a party for you, when you come to those senses, the father is waiting. He wants to run after you today. But we gotta get to the end of the story. Meanwhile, anyone been mean while? <laughs> I like that. That was a good one. The older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Meanwhile, you ever been there? You were late to the party? Anyone ever been there? Someone else got invited. You didn't get the invitation. What I want to say is we just worked through this briefly and we, we finished this picture in Luke 15 of the goodness of our Father is this. Being lost does not have a one-size-fits-all mold. You can be lost in the distant country like the younger son, or you can be lost sharing the same address as the Father. Here's an older son who did not desecrate his father's name to the community. An older son who did not tell his dad, you're dead to me, give me my share of the inheritance before you breathe your last. Here's a son who's been staying and doing his duty, doing his job as an older son, being responsible, who is totally aloof to the celebratory, life-giving, compassionate, inner reality and nature of the Father with whom which he shares a house. And so my question to us today as we think about where we are at on this story, and again, if you weren't with us two weeks ago, I'm sorry, part one, it was a long, it was a really good sermon. 
You can check it out. But the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all of these years I've been slaving for you and, you ne- and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet, you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And what I want to say is that many of us, maybe you don't identify with the first son. Maybe you do, but you're out of the distant country, amen? I'm convinced many of us can get snagged up in the older son's shoes. Where we can get caught up in duty, we can get caught up in volunteering, we can get caught up in doing the right things and be totally blind and lost to the reality of the father with whom we share a house. What is worse, to know about the father and to be unmoved by the reality of his love or to have never heard of a father at all? I don't think there's a clear-cut answer, but... The main point I want us to get at today through this story in Luke 15 is that we do not predominantly have a proximity, someone say proximity, problem. What do I mean by that? Well, God is everywhere, that the ascended Christ, Ephesians 4, has filled the entire universe with his love. Are you with me? That God has filled the universe. You can read, the, anyway, that's enough, and Colossians 1, so you can go study later. But that Jesus' love and his blood and his grace has been released over all the earth. We don't have a proximity problem. By that I mean a closeness problem. We have a revelation problem. That we don't see and experience the God who is everywhere and in Christ by the Spirit drawing all things to himself. We don't have a proximity problem. We have a revelation problem. That's why two weeks ago, that phrase, when it says he came to his senses, that was not his idea. That was the grace of God drawing him to a place of awakening, showing him his, the reality of a situation and pointing him to hope, the one who could save him from his mess. We don't have a proximity problem. We have a revelation problem because it's only by revelation when our spirit, our eyes are awakened that then relationship becomes possible. And when relationship becomes possible and a reality, the journey of transformation begins. Are you tracking with me? Jesus came to reveal not only the father who waits on his front porch for an sinful, rebellious world to run home, he also came to reveal a father who wants to save the self-righteous religious rule keepers from themselves and bring them into the dynamic reality of a loving relationship with him. You and I could be so good and do so many good things and have no revelation or reality of the father's passionate love for us. And we do things out of duty because we know they're right to do. And I want you to know God wants us to do things because they're right. But more than that, he wants us to be those who do all that we do out of relationship, knowing how good he is. And it's a no question that we would obey what he calls us to do because he's so good. Jesus came to reveal the fullness of the Father. Work with no love with no, motiva- no relational motivation, is perhaps one of the most de- de- deceptive and hard-to-detect forms of death. Let me say that again. Work and duty with no motivation out of relationship is perhaps one of the most deceptive and hard-to-detect forms of death. 
performance-based religion is exhausting. Can I get an amen? What, look at the phrases, I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. And you just see that this, this revel, how many know that out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks? This older son did not have a proximity problem. He never left home. He had a revelation problem. He didn't know he was sharing a home with. I've been slaving for you. I want to please you, Father. I'm just doing my duty and my orders, and the Father's going to get there. The vileness and the son of yours and the judgment and this critical spirit slavishly doing what is right but out of emptiness and out of emptiness produces bitterness and out of bitterness produces a prison with which there is no escape apart from a revelation of the one that you are so faithfully serving. You have to realize how much he served you. He's calling you into relationship not to just get busy doing more and more and more. The real issue here is motivation. The revelation of the Father's love for us is to motivate us and produce obedience, knowing that he delights in us as his sons and daughters. What I want to say is this. This was part two of the message, that motive and mindset, motive and mindset matter more to the Lord than performance and productivity. Motive and mindset. How many know you can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons? And there is one who looks down and he sees our hearts. You can slave for me all you want and just be busy in duty. But if you don't understand how much I love you, I'm telling you, I want you to know that. And then everything you do, you do is then filled with my presence and my power and it's resourced by my provision. But when you just do it out of your own duty, man, watch out because weariness sets in, bitterness sets in, resentment sets in, and then you're stuck. Performance and productivity. But Chad, doesn't God want us to bear fruit to bring him glory? John 15, I know a lot of the verses. Yes, of course he wants us to bear fruit, but it's out of a place of abiding in his love and in relationship. The why to the Lord matters more. How many know that the essence of the gospel is it doesn't just rip us out of slavery to sin and self, it brings us into a new reality wherein which we are transformed at the very place of desire where that thing we used to want now is transformed. We want God. And not only do we want to please him, we're empowered to please him because of relationship and by his spirit and grace. I'm telling you, beloved, that the world runs on performance and how to increase the bottom line, but in our homes, we do not. We are after developing character and heart transformation. Beloved, I'm telling you, if we would take this serious, not just to teach kids the right thing to do, but why it's the right thing to do, let me say it a different way, to model and to mentor not just what to love, but how to love. Don't just show them what to do, but what to love and how to love. And so this son, the older son that many of us can identify with, if we're honest, he didn't have a proximity problem. He wasn't at a distant country, but inwardly it was a distant country. I've been slaving. My daughter, I just want to please you, Daddy. These Pharisees, the ones that Jesus is telling these three stories about what God's heart is like for the lost, He's trying to tell them, guys, I don't need you to follow a bunch of rules. I want you to get in on a relationship with me. Man, the rules take care of themselves. Because I want to actually write that on your heart and your mind, the essence of the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 33. 
We don't have a proximity problem. We have a revelation problem. My son, he goes on to say, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother, this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. Earlier this week when I was blowing my nose and being really lazy, not feeling like doing anything, I started thinking about the tragedy it, it, it is to God, a loving God, when we as his sons and daughters do not pull on and live a life that demands and puts puts a demand on all that he's made. Everything I have is yours. I was thinking about the tragedy of living so far below the reality of what God and Christ has made available for us. And then when we get to his face, he's like, guys, I had so much more for you, but you never knew, you never asked. All I have is yours. How many ever feel like you live there? You, that God has made so much more available to you than you're experiencing, that his grace and his goodness, his provision, his power, and then we just get stuck in mindsets because we don't have a proximity problem, we have a revelation problem. And this son, unaware to him, had access to everything his father possessed. Everything, and he didn't access it. How many know it's one thing to possess it, it's another thing to access it? And to see it become a reality, a tangible reality. I'm telling you, this is killing us. Those who are Christian doing the right thing, who may not be far in a distant country in rebellion, but we're at home, but our hearts are not moved by the one who's given us everything when he gave us his son. I'm slaving for you. I do the right thing. I do the duty. And the father's saying, I'm not satisfied with that. I want you to know me. All of this, all of this illustrates God's desire that no matter which place we're lost in, that we would come home, that we would be home in him, that we would realize the depth, the length, the width, and the height of his love for us in Christ Jesus. So whether you're in the distant country or in the distant country, there is no distance that the love and grace of God cannot travel to transform you and me from the inside out. What's so crazy about this story, if you've heard it preached probably 800 million times, it's very famous. I just wanted to finish it is that that's where the story ends. We know what happened to the one who made a mess of his life. He got a party in a fattened calf, ring, robe, sandals, restored to community, restored to relationship. Jesus ends the story. He's telling the religious, rule-keeping leaders. He just leaves them. as if to issue an invitation. Will you acknowledge your need of me, not just when you're in a pig trough, but when you're in your put together little world and 
predictable rule keeping? Will you, real, will you acknowledge your need for me no matter the season, no matter what you're going through, that I alone am the one who is sufficient to save you? I alone am the one, am significant, I am alone sufficient to give you your identity, your purpose, your destiny, and your future. Amen. He ends the story. We had to celebrate. How many know God wants to unleash a celebration party over the city with the lost being found? A couple of you. I'm telling you, he wants to. But I'm telling you what will be a part of that celebration is a bunch of us older sons to be reawakened to the revelation of the goodness of our Father, where our lives are irresistible among those who are in pig pens and pig troughs out there. If all they see is staunch religious rule-keeping, they're not gonna see the irresistible father. That's why this story ends so poignantly. Will you get in on the celebration, but you've gotta realize, I don't need your righteousness. Mine is sufficient. You gotta drop it at the door. You gotta receive my robe, and this guy needed to receive the provision of his father as much as the younger son. And many of us, we can grow in confidence in our own. We've been around forever, and I've been following God for 17 plus years, but I'm telling you, I can become the older son. I'm done with the younger son stuff. I did that when I was 16, but I can live and be religious and try to do the right things, but if I'm not careful, it's not from a place of deep abiding intimacy and friendship and relationship, and before I know it, that I can develop a distance between me and God, and the way home for the young son is the same way home from the older son. It's repentance and saying, Father, show me who you really are. I'm done, I don't wanna try harder, I wanna abide better so that everything I do has you on it. That was a good one. That was good. We don't have a proximity problem, we have a revelation problem, and I'm telling you, God, in this hour of history, wants to awaken his church by the spirit of revelation. He wants us to be seized and gripped with the reality of his love, not the idea of it. Come on, how many know there's something more powerful than just knowing? It's a knowing. It's being seized, being gripped. You've been around those people who know all the right things to say, but after your conversation, your heart is not stirred or moved but you've been around those people, maybe they couldn't articulate it as well, but they couldn't hardly say the name of Jesus because of the inner dynamic relationship that they had and you left wanting and desiring. Has anyone been there? I want you to know you can be that person. You could be that person for someone this week who's far from God, whether they're in the pig trough or they're sharing a home, wrapped up in religion, self-righteous, rule-keeping, duty, 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 it's just duty. Doo-doo. <laughs> and why this is so powerfully good news is that he's the father for both. <laughs> I love you, says the father today. I just want you home. You don't have a proximity problem. Revelation problem. Revelation problem. And revelation comes as we say yes to the Spirit's leading, repentance, revelation, relationship, and then we walk in light of that every single day. We serve a God who wants to throw parties left 
and rights, but he wants the older sons and daughters to be the one barbecuing, throwing the party, popping the balloons, going in the dunk tank, and it's time for those far from God to see those who've been walking with God awaken to a new passion, a new zeal, a new fervency and love. It has nothing to do with decibel level like I'm preaching. It has everything to do with being transformed again from the inside out. It is, listen, passion has nothing to do with your outward. You can go with my Grandpa Owens. He's no longer a shouter, but he can't even say Jesus without weeping, and he's only 86. Because Jesus is his passion. He's not just cruising on under the horizon and you know, living for himself. No, he wants Jesus. He's pressing in. He's at home with the Father, and he knows his Father. And I want you to know you can know the Father, too. How do I know the Father? You look to Jesus, because he's exactly what he looks like. I and the Father are one. If you've seen him, you've seen me. You've seen me, you've seen him. And I want you to know God wants to awaken our hearts today. This amazing verse, Jesus is so amazing that he would pray this for us. <sighs> Will you read this one with me? Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, read it, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Come on, somebody. That's a good enough prayer. What's Jesus praying there? I just pray that they would know their proper ABCs and their doctrinal purity. And the, No, I want you to know the Father. I want you to know his love, his eternal love, his glory. Look at the passion of King Jesus here. It's stunning. Because he knows if it would get us in the deepest part that there is no links to which we would go to fulfill his commission and commandments. If you love me, and Jesus prayed right before the cross, Father, the dynamic that motivated and moved and inspired and powered and sustained everything I did, I want that kind of love to be burning on the inside of them. Same love, Father, wait, what did I say? The same love you have for me, that's the love that's gonna be in them. Come on, somebody, that's amazing. And how many know you don't just get there by trying, it comes by, Lord, I don't know how to get there, but I need your revelation. I need and press into that relationship, Jesus, that you've made available with the Father through your perfect sacrifice and by your spirit. I don't know it, but I want to explore it. I want to walk in what you've made available because, Jesus, my problem is not proximity. My problem is revelation, but you are the word made flesh. You are the revelation of God himself. And so, Jesus, I look to you. You're going to take me deeper into the resources of the heart of my my father, that's his prayer here. You would know that kind of love. And I'm telling you, I'm not giving an altar call for all you older sons. I'm giving one for me because I want a fresh awakening. I want a fresh baptism. And by the way, that's why we meet every week and cry out on Wednesdays because how many know we can eke back into performance and duty? He wants us to stay lovers. He wants us to stay living out of the revelation of the relationship of the God in Christ who has provided everything we would ever need for all time and to eternity. 
But we've got to access it, and we access it by relationship. By relationship. So how do we grow in this? I've made this up, so it's not cool. Blame me. First of all, this is practical. How do I grow in this? Whether I'm the young son, old son, or whatever you are, daughter, whatever. The first thing is you ask God, God, I want to see your goodness. Very practical. This is actually very practical. There's six steps you can operate and do every single day. See it. Begin to ask the Lord to show you. God, show me your goodness, and I'm telling you, it's about as easy as this. Because every good and perfect gift is, and how many know, what does every include? That was an easy one. Come on. What does every include? Everything. So first step towards living an awakened lifestyle is to see it. See his goodness around you. See the beauty of creation, the provision of friendship, relationship, job, health, whatever. See it. Ask God for eyes to see. How many can do that this week? You can do it. Practical. God, show me your goodness. I want to see it. Number one, speak it. Speak your truth. How many know it does no good to say, oh, no, I'm at home, but yet you're living like the younger son in a pig trough, so you got to speak your truth, the reality of where you're at, but then you've got to speak and believe his truth of what he says about you. So you got to see it, you got to speak it. Well, I don't know what to say about me. Well, that's why we have a Bible and why there's 800 billion apps and 25,000 podcasts. Listen, he's speaking to you all the time. It's a matter of setting your heart to receiving and seeing and speaking the truth of what he says about you. So you see it and then you speak it. You always start, God, this is where I'm at because he knows anyway. So get past that part really quick and then begin to speak and believe his truth. Because how many know when you know his truth, it sets you free? See it, speak it. Are you tracking with me? Say amen. amen. I love this. Then you receive it. How many know we serve a God who is a cheerful giver? He who did not spare his own son, Romans 8, 31, how will he not also, someone say also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Everything and all things are my favorite words in scripture. Because they include everything and all things. You see it, you speak it, you receive it, realizing God is that lavish father that no matter what you're facing and growing through, if you would just receive, he's got the provision, he's got all that you need, he's got the power, he has everything you need for every situation you face, but you gotta receive it. Come on, somebody. See it, speak it, receive it. Oh, there's three more. Think it. How many know that if we spend our whole lives living like older sons or younger sons, that there is a journey that we gotta learn to think differently. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. (laughs) And scripture always tells us that renewal happens when our minds are renewed. How do you renew your mind? Romans 12, you offer yourself fully to God as a sacrifice and offering every day. How many days? How often? And when you do that, the Spirit comes and he renews your mind to live out of your new identity as sons and daughters of God who have full access, who have full po- the position and posture of sons who are co-heirs with Christ, that in Christ you have everything you need for life and for godliness, 2 Peter 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, 3, and 4. But listen, we thank it. So listen, this journey of beginning to think be transformed by the renewal of our mind. He wants to scrub our mindsets and give us his mindset. 1 Corinthians 2.16, you have the mind of Christ. 
And so it's a journey, but every day we begin to think different. How do we do that? The word, the spirit, the truth, Christian fellowship, where you have people who speak into your life and speak who, is, who you really are in light of who you are in Christ. Come on, somebody. The world will call you out by your failures. God wants to call you into your destiny, and then we gotta learn how to think out of that new identity. Are you tracking with me? So every day you can do this. Think it, think it. Pick out some scriptures about your identity in Christ. There's 800 million of them, and we can talk after the service. Number four, I love it. Live it. Live it. Duh. No, not duh. How many know we can know all the right stuff, but it never materializes into our life? We live it. We practice what we've seen, we've received. How many know God's not looking for perfect performance? He's just looking for the next yes in your heart when he says, go. When he says, speak. When he says, stay. So we begin to every day set our hearts to just live what he's showing us, what he's saying, so that we can participate in all that God has made available to us in and through Christ. We think it and we live it. And I love this one. This was a new one he added this morning. We give it. I'm telling you, oh, there's a secret here. And here's the secret, it's not even a secret. Did you know that God wants to make us rivers, not lakes. John 7 tells us that you are gonna have rivers of living water. What do rivers do? <laughs> they move, they flow, they go, they give. Many of us, Lord, we, we were thinking right, we're trying to live right when it's comfortable and convenient, but I'm telling you, if more and more of us, and I'm here at number six, this is where I wanna live in this season. I wanna live in all six, but definitely this one that the more you release what he's given you, the more you make space for more to come. And many of us, we are totally stunted in our growth because we've learned a lot, known a lot, but ain't having a lot of outlets. Let's give it away. Come on, somebody. Let's go out into the world, into our neighborhoods, into our everyday lives, not to preach, but to model that life that is awakened to the love of Christ by the Spirit, inviting those who are far from God, not into a bunch of rules and red tape, but into a living encounter with the Father who's waiting to wrap them in his arms and his kiss and his embrace. Amen. Give them a new name and identity. Amen. So what is it? See it, speak it, receive it, thank it, live it, give it. That's how we grow. How many know there are two ways transformation happens? Breakthrough, someone say breakthrough. breakthrough. And process. process. Come on, you gotta say process with the same passion. <laughs> There's a breakthrough. We believe in breakthrough at Cornerstone. He sets us free from our sin when we come to Christ. He breaks lies and chains, and he brings us into greater levels of freedom. He can do it, but how many know on the back end of that breakthrough, there's a long process with a lot of other breakthroughs along the way? Are you tracking with me? And so no matter what you need today, whether it's breakthrough or it's encouragement on your process, I want you to know this. If, like McKinsey, God by his spirit can transform our hearts to where we could say, oh, I don't want anything, I just want to be, I want to please you, Daddy. 
And the father would say, you want to know how to do that? Open your heart for my, revel- for my relationship. You want to know how to please me? You want to know how to move my heart? Open your heart so that I can come and fill it afresh and anew today. I don't know how you need to respond, but I know he wants to meet you where you're at today. So can you just stand with me? Emily's going to come and play. See it, speak it, receive it, think it, live it, give it. Love this quote. I don't have it available to you, but Eric Liddell says this. You will know as much of God, only as much of God as you are willing to put into practice. So how many know there is grace and power and mercy today to help us to increasingly live out that which is true of us in Christ Jesus. And so maybe you're here today and you say, Chatty, I am in a distant country. By distant, I mean distant, and I need to come home today. I want to invite you to come home. Come home to the Father who loves you, who spared nothing when he gave us his son to redeem us, to wash us, to make us new. Come home. Come home. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're the older son or daughter. You never really left home, but you're not living like you're at home. God wants to pour out revelation of the goodness and love of the Father over us today. And so, God, we just respond right now. Just take a few few seconds, a minute. Just respond as the Spirit is leading you right now. Come home. Receive. Father, I ask that you'd pour out revelation over our church, that we would be those who live with a dynamic reality of your love for us and your love for the world. All across this room, Lord, all across this room, we ask that you would just minister your mercy, your love, and your grace. We don't have a proximity problem, revelation. And Jesus, you are the full revelation of the Father. So come, show us, show us, bring us into a dynamic relationship by your Spirit and